We are still in need of people in Kingdom Kids. And if you guys don't know what Kingdom Kids, it goes all the way from when you're a baby all the way up to fifth grade. And we're needing volunteers in there. And just pray about it and see if God puts it on your heart to serve in Kingdom Kids. Because it is a great joy. Because like Pastor Richie was mentioning last week, it's like you guys all remember your Sunday school teachers and how impactful they were to you at an early age. And plus, I mean, it's a great joy. You don't have to be a great speaker. You don't have to be a great teacher or a singer or anything. You just need to go in there and love on those kids. And if you have any questions about that, you can contact myself and the person who I have to supervise, my wife, Kim, which is, but she does a wonderful job. She really deeply loves those kids and just wants to show them the love of Jesus. So if you have any questions about that, contact myself or my wife, Kim. And then the next announcement, oh, it's just, it's... I've been praying about this new ministry, and it's called the Helps Ministry. And you ask, what is the Helps Ministry? Um, it's, you know, Jesus came to this earth not to be served, but to, be, to serve other people. Because it tells us that in Matthew. So when I was, that was, happened to be my daily devotional for this morning. I'm like, oh, wow, I want to share that when it comes to the Help um, Ministry. And the Helps Ministry is anybody out here in the congregation that would be willing to serve this is not to get help. This is to serve. You have a hidden talent of some type that you would like. Like I know our brother Bill here, he loves replacing rotten posts and different things like that. But anywhere from like weeds um, at your house, if you have a, um, a talent to pull weeds, you know, there's always that need. Or transportation, giving people rides to church. You guys, or just I had one person say, I'm really good at organizing. So if you're interested in just being on that helps ministry list, just email me. My email will be up here or just contact me after and just tell me what gifts that God has given you that you might be able to bless somebody else with those. And, I, and it was funny because I was, when I was reading my devotional in Galatians, when Paul wrote, he says, use your freedom, which is your freedom in Christ, to serve one another in love. So that's what it is. It's serving one another in love. So if you have any hidden talents, get a hold of me. Let me know. We're going to start a database. So when someone from the church calls and say, hey, I need help with organizing, I can say, oh, okay, I know somebody to hook them up with. So if, you, if that is something that God puts on your heart, pray about it and get a hold of me. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan Stuffelbeam. It's a weird German last name. Everyone seems to ask about it. Uh, but uh, I'm the youth director here at the well. Uh, I've been the youth director here since uh, September of last year. And uh, you know, usually when I'm up here and I share youth stuff, uh, I usually mention the coaches or the volunteers that we have that come out on Wednesdays or come to our events. And I know some of you know all of them, but I thought, you know, it'd be nice to put, uh, you know, some names to faces. So we have a picture of all of us here. Actually, we took that last Wednesday uh, for our, our, our event we were watching in Kanto. Uh, so we got Isaac there on the left um, and Eileen and Shiloh there on the bottom, and Travis and Emily up there, and of course, me cheesing up right there. Uh, so, you know, these are the, the volunteers that, you know, come out, uh, you know, every Wednesday to, to love on the students, um, you know, and, and be a part of their lives and what God's doing here, uh, you know, with the youth ministry. Um, and so, you know, and, you know, as I kind of started doing youth ministry, I tried to make it intentional to meet with the coaches, you know, at least once a month, uh, you know, to talk about youth stuff, you know, what's going on, you know, at the well, and then just, you know, to hang out and spend time together. And so kind of was on my heart to, uh, you know, for us to kind of come up with a, a fun and intentional name for the youth group, because right now it's student ministries. Um, and so we spent a lot of time and actually uh, 
I think at our leads meeting, I mentioned we came up with like 40 different ones. But I decided to count, and we came up with like 89. And we were just having fun, coming up with names. So we, so we landed on one that we all really liked. And, you know, we really wanted to be intentional. And so the name of our youth ministry now is Crossroads, um, which I think we have a, a really cool slide for that. Thank you, Shiloh, uh, for making that. Uh, and so, you know, as much as I would love to come up with a fun name, my fun name was The Keep, like in a castle. You know, it's like the strong part. But I'm like, man... I have to remember, you know, it's not just fun. We really want it to be intentional. And what I love about Crossroads is just, you know, it's connection to the gospel. Now, for those of us that are following Jesus, you know, we all came to a, a, a point in our life where we had to make a choice uh, to, to follow him. And similarly, I think about that with just youth ministry. You know, students are coming. A lot of them maybe don't know Jesus. And it's an opportunity uh, to, to meet him, understand, like, who he is and to know him personally and then to follow him. Now, on the other end, you know, there's students that, you know, are doing that already. And so, again, it's still, you know, every day students are coming to a spot where we have to choose, you know, to follow Jesus um, and really submit our lives to him. Um, and so that's really kind of our heart with, you know, the youth, youth ministry and just loving on the students uh, and really pointing them to Jesus. So, so with that, um, you know, we're now meeting on Wednesdays. Crossroads is meeting Wednesdays, you know, I mean, not now. Crossroads, you know, we're, we're meeting Wednesday, 6.30 to 8, uh, which, you know, again, it's connected to youth group, uh, but we're going to be calling it Crossroads now. And so, again, um, that's kind of kind of what we're going to have for the name with that. And then our first kind of event that we're going to be doing with Crossroads is Defy, uh, which don't get, um, don't get too excited. It's, it's a, like, fun house, like, trampoline, foam pit. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what those are. You can, like, jump into them, and you can fall into it and not get hurt, uh, uh, unless you're Isaac and you find a way to hurt yourself there. Uh, but we're going to be doing that, I mean, I, a, yeah, April 2nd. It's going to be kind of a half-day event. Um, I would love for you to contact me, because you have to have a waiver, and I've sent out uh, an email to the parents. Uh, but if you're not on that email list, uh, please contact me. My information, I think, is on there. Uh, because you're going to have to send the waiver to me so we can kind of get all that going there uh, for the event. Um, and I'll be kind of letting, you know, I'll be speaking more about this in the coming weeks. Um, and I believe the cutoff is, uh, I think, the 23rd for the, the money. It's about $20 to cover everything to go. Um, so I'll have that event to look forward to uh, next month. And then lastly, you know, Tyler mentioned the uh, help. And I know there's a lot of you out here, and, you know, as a church, you know, God wants us to work together. And so I would ask, similarly, if you have a heart for, you know, youth ministry, or maybe you're like, hey, you know, I don't have any students, I'm not volunteering, but hey, I would love to, to drive for an event. Uh, I have this little sheet. I'm going to have it out back. Uh, if you'd like to sign up at all, like you can fill your, your name in, email, phone number, and we have some areas if you'd like to serve at all. Uh, and maybe it's just, you know, you can talk to me about it. You don't have to commit to it right now, but we'll have this sheet if you guys ever want to, to volunteer. Uh, I know I've had some people that are like, you know, I'd love to sponsor someone that goes to an event that maybe it costs too much. You know, so there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, so you can check this out. You can, of course, talk to me uh, about that um, and finding ways to serve. And now I think Kathy has an announcement. Good morning. 
Um, I would like to tell you about two events coming up through women's ministry, two times for women to get together soon. Um, one is we're calling it Coffee and Combos. That's kind of short for a conversation. Um, and that's coming up on March 25th. It's a Friday, 10 a.m. We're going to be probably out on the patio if the weather's great. Uh, everyone's welcome. Kids are welcome to come to it. So it's just an informal gathering. We'll have coffee. We'll have snacks. Um, and we'll just kind of hang out together. Um, and we have these uh, little invitations. So you could grab one. They're on the cart outside. Uh, grab one just as a reminder for yourself or grab a couple and give them to other friends that you know that you'd like to invite to that as well. But it's also on our website. So keep that in mind, March 25th. Also, just to give you time to prepare for the next book club, it will be March 30th uh, here at the well as well. The next book that we're going to be doing is called Seven Women by Eric Metaxics. I'm saying it right. He wrote a couple other uh, biographies, one on Bonhoeffer, one on Luther, Martin Luther, um, uh, and uh, Wilbur... Wilberforce, William Wilberforce. So um, he's a good writer. Um, And these are on seven women, women who have uh, impacted history by their faith um, and how they've lived their lives. Like uh, a couple of them we're probably familiar with, uh, Corey Ten Boom, Rosa Parks. Um, One of them is Susanna Wesley, uh, who had an impact on a couple of her sons. Uh, So... um, Anyway, those are also on the website, the book, the title. Um, it's all there. and We'd love to have you join us. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> Kathy Bodycomb, and I'm Mark Bodycomb, and that's a weird Welsh name, uh, <laughs> unlike a uh, weird German name, so uh, I kind of like that. Uh, so uh, I just want to remind everybody about Mexico. Um, Dennis is going to Mexico. I'm going to Mexico. There's a bunch of people in this room that are going to Mexico. Praise God. We're going on May 8th to the 14th. Um, We're going down with an organization called Youth with a Mission, YWAM. If you're not familiar with them, I'd love to tell you a lot more about them. Um, We certainly still have room. We've got probably 12 to 14 people who have registered and are ready to go. Uh, We've got room for a few more if the Lord puts it on your heart and you're interested in actually signing up uh, to go on the trip either for half of the trip and build one home beginning or second part of the week or come down for the whole week and we'll be building two homes. Uh, We'd love to have you and I'm happy to give you any information about that. We're really at a point, though, in the upcoming months where we need to honestly just raise money. You know, kind of my, kind of the way I kind of go about this is just kind of put the need out there, you know, and trust the Lord to meet that need. So we build two homes. These are modest homes, but um, they're life-changing homes for two different Mexican families. And you're going to see some pictures about kind of what it looks like to be doing that work and what even the finished homes look like. Each of the homes, from the standpoint of the house itself, and we buy uh, kind of any kind of extra packages we can for furniture inside it and some kitchen elements and a water tower and all these types of things. So each home costs about $13,000. So we have a need that's in the range of about $26,000 to accomplish building these two homes. Um, Every single time we've ever gone, the Lord has bountifully provided 
Um, and again, this is just an opportunity for you to join in if you can't go on the trip or even if you are going on the trip. You can pray for our trip. You can come on the trip. You can support the trip. And so uh, in the upcoming weeks, we'll be talking about that. You can just make a donation to the well uh, in whatever, you know, the different ways that you can give here. Always just make sure it's designated Mexico or Mexico mission trip, that kind of a thing. And then all of that money will go directly towards the uh, expenses of the home for those two families. So um, with that, I'm going to pray just before Richie comes up to, uh, to teach us today. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you just for your presence here this morning. We know that you are with us. We know that you are our God. Lord, just pray for Richie right now as he comes to, to talk to us and give us your words, the words that you have given him. So would you please right now, Lord, open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to hear from you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Mark. How's everybody doing? Good. Blessed. Um, when uh, Tyler said it was March, I'm like, wow. All right, where did January and February go? And, and I was uh, thinking of that on the calendar because I was uh, watching some news this past week, and the people on the news uh, happened to be a news show, and, and it was Wednesday, and I go, oh, it's Ash Wednesday, you know, because they were Catholic tradition and, and had the ash on their foreheads. And it just reminded me that, man, it's, it's going to be Easter. I believe it's April 17th. It's, in a blink, it's going to be Easter. And, and I was thinking about, you know, Ash Wednesday, and I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, and we had various traditions for, for Lent, uh, you know, Fridays and things like that. And, and I thought about us and where we are as a church and where the world happens to be right now uh, as we come into March 2022. And, and you know, the, the Lord really, really impressed on my heart to, uh, to kind of do something that we usually reserve for Christmas. If you're familiar with our Christmas tradition here, usually we have an Advent candle, and we have an Advent series, right? The four weeks leading up to Christmas, there's a little devotion, a little about Advent, about Christmas, and, and we light the Advent candle, and, and it's all built up to the birth of Christ. And, and this, this year, for the very first time, I said, you know what, why don't we do sort of like a Lenten series with a theme? And, and the theme that, that really struck me uh, was hope. Hope, leading up to the resurrection of Christ. What is hope? What is biblical hope, right? And, and, and I came across this, uh, this article that sort of was analyzing this survey. And this survey was done by the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State. It was conducted November 30th to December 7th of last year, so coming into 2022. And the title of the survey was Mood of the Nation. It was a Mood of the Nation poll. And just kind of summarize it, I thought it was really interesting. Now remember, this is coming in. This is coming into 2022. It's Romania, Ukraine hasn't happened, inflation, gas price. None of that has happened yet, right? So this is coming in to 2022. Here's what they say as they summarized. Heading into 2022... Americans are experiencing high levels of worry and much more temperate levels of hope. 84% of Americans say they are either extremely or very worried, compared to the 42% of Americans who describe themselves as extremely or very hopeful. And this is, this is interesting. And roughly one quarter of Americans, 26% that were surveyed, report that nothing makes them hopeful. And this is before all of this happened. In the so coming into this year, according to this survey, a quarter 
of our population says that nothing makes them hopeful. While only 2% of Americans say that nothing makes them worried. So a quarter, and I'm guessing right now it might even be more than a quarter, would say that, you know, nothing makes me hopeful for the direction of the country, my life. And, and I thought that was stunning. And again, I can only imagine what it would be now if we were to survey this sort of the mood of the nation. And, and, and in some ways, I think, what is the mood of the church? If we were to survey the church, has that same hopelessness crept into the church where we as a whole might, maybe not a quarter, but still, for whatever reason, would have a significant percentage of believers who might say nothing makes them hopeful. And you would almost want to wonder, how is that possible? What? Why as a believer? What, what happened to your worldview? What, what, is, what happened to your life circumstantially that you would, as a believer in Christ, check a box that said, you know, nothing makes me hopeful. And, and there's a lot of layers to that. You know, there's a lot of layers to that, and, and life can just sort of keep happening and happening and wave and wave, and, and it's like, uh, you know, that frog in the kettle sort of illustration where, or, or the Job illustration where you start out really strong and it just keeps going and going, and then you get these other voices in your head, and, and suddenly, even as a believer, you're like, I, I don't know where I stand with hope anymore. I don't even know what hope is, right? And, and that's the challenge, and that's why I wanted to kind of Come circle back around because it's been several years since we looked at what is biblical hope, right? Because hope, it, it's, it's an interesting word. And many of us have heard it since we were this big, but what is it? Is it a feeling? Is it circumstance? Like, you know, if, if, if I were to ask you here, you at home, you know, you don't have to put up fingers or just say anything out loud, but on the hope scale, whatever you would define that, what is your level of hope right now? Like, zero being uh, nothing makes you hopeful, 10 being I'm solid with hope. Where are you this morning with, with hope? And, and are you clear on what the Bible means when it says hope, right? And, and, and it's so interesting because the world really defines hope as wishful thinking, finger-crossing. I hope I win the lottery. I hope the Dodgers take it, right? Right? I hope, right? And so, so it's like, a, it's a feeling, it's wishful thinking, it's, it's sort of this like, gosh, finger crossing. Is that hope? Is that, is that biblical? Is that what the Bible means? When it says we have a living hope, we have a living finger crossing? Is, is, that, what, is that what we're here about at the very core as a believer is it just like spiritual finger crossing? I mean, seriously, because you have to take time to think about this. When I say hope, where do you go? Feelings? Circumstances? People? Where do you go to even get a, get a handle on hope as a believer? As a believer. So if it's not finger crossing and, and wishful thinking, what is it, right? We kind of like, I hope so, I hope so, right? And and we're going to spend some time leading up to, to Easter because really the resurrection, the Bible says we have a living hope. Amen? A living hope. 
So right away, there's your clue. Biblical hope is not circumstance and feeling driven. It is somehow it's just, the Bible describes it as living. Living, dynamic, active, energizing. Like right now, hope should be impacting you as you sit here. Hope, as a believer, here or at home, daily, we have a living hope. Okay, but if we're not careful, circumstance and feeling and the world's definition creeps in. And then as a believer, we just sort of buy into a sense of hopelessness. Now, that's not uh, bury your head in the sand faith, right? A lot of times, sometimes people look at Christians, oh, you guys just bury your head in the sand and you don't want anything to do with real life. And it's just, you know, pie in the sky, kumbaya stuff. No, No, walking with Jesus, understanding biblical truth enables us to face the reality of a depraved and broken and fallen world with living hope. We don't live in in defeat. We don't live in retreat. We face it in the victory we have in Jesus. But what we have to do, honestly, is is spend some time, even on the word hope, and, and sort through some things. Because as I was thinking through the challenges I even had as a believer and and even as a pastor trying to get people to to wrestle with hope, there's a lot of history that can color our definition and view of hope. How about betrayal? Somebody in your life got your hopes up. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. And now you don't even want to risk hoping anymore. Because you've been betrayed. So you kind of developed a very protective, almost cynical, cautious view of life, which is born out of some pain, maybe a lot of pain. And now when someone says hope, you're like, eh, tried that. Just going to get my hopes up and get them dashed again. Some of us are like that. And, and if you're not careful, you carry that into your walk. And so you hear these incredible promises, and, and we sing these incredible songs, and there might be a bit of a disconnect because you're scared. You're even scared to trust God, to put your hope your confidence in him because at the worldly level you've experienced some pain and betrayal and you kind of just don't want to go there again and and then let, let's be honest you know you you hear me say often kind of jokingly if you find the perfect church don't join it why because you'll mess it up right because there is no perfect church right so so we even come into the church and the church is simply people who have put their faith in christ and are the redeemed but we're all in sanctification amen so no one is perfect in this room amen all right so turn to the person next to you say i'm not perfect either just go ahead say i'm not perfect either i'm not perfect either right right how many of you actually that that lifts some weight off of you whoo you too Right? Because <laughs> even in the church, we build up things, and people even in the church, even in me or leadership, we let you down. Right? I had an experience in the very first church I was in staff years and years ago in San Diego, and there were some leadership decisions made that uh, were just like, you know, what 
are you kidding me? And it really, it really sent me because I was still a fairly young believer, new to, new to pastoral ministry, and I just could not wrap my mind around the decisions that were being made. It made no sense, just weren't even biblical. And I remember talking to my mentor, and I was just, da da da, and just, he, he allowed me to share, and I was venting. And, and he said, hey, Richard, you know what? Man will always fail you, but God never will. Now, that was a, 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 a moment of sanctification for me because even in the church, we build up the pastors and the leaders and the elders and the small group leaders to sort of have this level of perfection or, or whatever to where, you know, it's unrealistic. And so when he said, hey, you know what? Man will always fail you, but God never will. What he was really saying is, where's your hope? Where's your focus? These, these are men trying to do their best, give them the benefit of the doubt. But is your faith built on them or on God? And when it comes to hope, that, that can take some time. And, you know, and it may take some uh, tears, and it may take some real uh, honest conversation with someone you trust to kind of unpack it a little bit about the things that might make you hesitant to hope again, right? To hope again. Sometimes maybe it may not be betrayal. It might just be repeated failure. You tried something growing up, da-da-da-da-da. Anyone ever say the word, it's hopeless, right? It's hopeless, right? You tried, ah, it's hopeless, right? And then that is really close to, I'm hopeless. So you may have had failures. You may have had voices in your life saying you're hopeless, maybe directly or indirectly, but that's what you picked up, right? So, so you come to faith, and, and we're speaking of this living hope, and you're like, dude, everything I tried has been hopeless. My parents thought I was hopeless. You're never going to amount to anything. Why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more, you know? And, and you sort of develop this voice, this false belief that you're hopeless. Not just that life isn't hopeless, you're hopeless. So you kind of come like, oh, what's the point? What's the point? And, and I share this with you because the world's definition, if, if, you're not, if you don't take the time to kind of figure that out in, in your walk with Jesus, it can kind of keep you in some bondage, even as a believer. Even as a believer. I'm not, even, I'm not even saying you're not saved. Even as a believer, you might be struggling in the level of joy and peace and confidence in Christ, and you're like, why do I struggle with this? Why do I? Well, it might just be because your history with the, with the word hope. With the word hope, you're scared to hope. You're scared to try again. You still feel and hear the voice that you're hopeless. So you're like coming in and we tell you like, Jesus loves you so much. He died on the cross for you, right? And you're like struggling with this idea that, that Jesus would die for you when you were raised that you're hopeless and won't amount to anything. That might be a struggle for some to simply go, what are you talking about? You're telling me. This gospel, which means good news, you're telling me the gospel is that me, who thought life was hopeless and who was told I was hopeless, you're telling me that Jesus came and died for me and rose from the dead, and by faith in him, I can go to heaven and God likes me too. And the answer is, yes. 
So here's the good news on the front end. It's not hopeless and you're not hopeless in Christ. And I think in light of the circumstance of, of the world and what many are going through in the individual lives, the oppressiveness of what's going on right now, it's just unrelenting, right? And if you're watching news or you're trying to stay up, up with what's going on with prices and conflict and everything like right right and the, you know they're just saying it's never gonna you know there is no end in sight da, 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 da. well you keep hearing that suddenly you're like it's hopeless when there's no end in sight to inflation there's no end in sight to the conflicts there's no end in sight right and and suddenly even as a believer you're caught up in the hopelessness and despair and despondency of the world and my prayer is that beginning today and, and leading up to Easter, that God will free you. Seriously. I think that many in the church uh, want to be free, desire to have the joy of the Lord and, and face life confidently, but I think that some of us may, may never have connected it to the word hope. Hope. And I'm, I'm going to be excited to see, and I'll know when the light bulb goes on and hope gets reignited in you. You know why? Because you're just going to smile. And you're going to be like, somebody like, well, what's up with you? Hope, man. <laughs> I got hope. I got hope again. Well, what do you mean? Because see, biblical hope is confident, joyful expectation. Okay? Biblical hope is an eager, confident expectation, joyful expectation, eagerness based on absolute certainty of future good. Amen? Okay, that's biblical hope, right? John Blanchard says this, hope is biblical shorthand for unconditional certainty. How many of us enter today with that? Unconditional certainty. I'm a child of God. My name is written in the book of life. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I have everything I need for life and godliness. That's certainty. That's going into, into every day with hope, with, with confident expectation, right? How many of you, in a good way, remember growing up, I remember this, my, you're, you're in elementary school, you're in your parents say, you're going to Disneyland. Anyone? Right? And you know it's going to happen. And they tell you like two or three weeks out. And you are joyfully confident right? You have expectation. It's certainty. You're telling all your friends, hey, guess where I'm going in two weeks? Disneyland. Really? Yeah, my dad told me. We got the tickets. We got the paper. We got the paper tickets that we had to pull out. I'm calling out some age demographic here, right? Disneyland with the ticket books, right? How many of you, whether it's Disneyland, how many of you have ever been told something and you believed it, it was going to happen, and the time leading up to it, you were just joyfully expectant? Amen? Right? That's our life. That deep, joyful, confident expectation is biblical hope. That's living hope. That's why we get up. And we spend time with the Lord. We spend time in the word. So before we look at our phone, before we look at the news, before we get to work, we're already filled up with hope and confidence and joy. Amen? And when you have that, 
on the front end, now you're filtering all the stuff of life through that. But a lot of times we flip that and we let the stuff of life come in, rob our joy, rob our hope, rob all of that, and then we're in just in scramble mode. Now we're playing defense. Anyone ever feel like you're just playing defense? And here's a tell. What next? What else, Lord, are you going to let happen today? That's when you're kind of like just, you're like ducking, right? And your, your phone gets a little, oh, I don't want to know if I want to look at this text. Oh, no, not from that person. And you just like dismiss, right? So a lot of times if we're not careful and settle hope and joy and confidence on the front end of the day, we just become reactive. We just become reactive versus entering a day, having that pillar, that foundation set because you spent time with Father, you spent time in the Word, and now you're moving forward in strength and in hope. So we're going to look at that, right? Biblical hope is not spiritual finger crossing, please. It's not spiritual wishful thinking. Biblical hope is confident, everyone say confident, confident. expectation. It's the Disneyland trip that you're looking forward to. It's heaven. It's my name is written in the book of life as I sit here. Confident expectation. Amen? You see, that's not burying my head in the sand Christianity. That's I'm looking up and I have eternal perspective Christianity. My father told me I'm going to heaven. Why aren't we as excited about that as about my father telling me I'm going to Disneyland? It's the same certainty, even more so, because the Bible says God cannot lie, and God does not change, right? So we're going to look at this, and today I just want to give us some, some foundational principles on what is biblical hope. Well, biblical hope is living, okay, First Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living, everyone say living, Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Okay, confident expectation. There's some stuff waiting for you in heaven. It's being kept in heaven for who? This is, the, this is where we got to spend time. With, I mean, inheritance. Everyone say, I have an inheritance waiting for me. <laughs> and the good thing, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It's not going to be like, hey, man, where's my inheritance? Oh, dude, it's spoiled. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's unfading, imperishable. It's there waiting for you. It's there. Kept in heaven, who by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, okay? In this, eternal perspective, okay? In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while in 2022, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Foundational passage. 
He says, hey, you know what? There's an inheritance waiting for you. Rejoice in that. And if you'll focus on that and rejoicing in that, what you have to deal with today in 2022 will be put in right perspective. Because what God is allowing in your life right now has a plan and a purpose. Okay? That the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. He's still God. And he's still in control of whatever you're going through. But what he's saying in this passage is, I want you, church, step out of the world and the globe and everything you've been focusing on this week. Step out of it and rejoice on the right thing. The inheritance kept for you in heaven right now as you sit here. Okay, sometimes it's just perspective. It's just perspective. Okay? Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. John Piper says this, living hope is hope that has power and produces changes in life. This is what living means in Hebrews 4.12, where it says the word of God is living and effective. So Christian hope is a strong confidence in God, which has power to produce changes in how we live. Amen? This is hope. This, this gives us confidence. It gives us even like spiritual tenacity to stay the course, to fight the good fight, to run the good race. It's confidence. It's just, you have this deep supernatural confidence and it's called hope. Alan Carr says this, our hope is a living hope that is sure, certain, and real as opposed to the, the deceptive, empty, false hope the world offers. You see, many in our day are pinning their hopes on their 401k plan. Many have their hope in the stock market. Some have their hope in their health or their family. This is a hope based in wishful thinking. When the New Testament uses the word hope, it does not refer to a fond wish or desire. It means a confident assurance based on the word of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that produces an excited response. There should be a response. There should be a response. Joy. There should be a response. If you have biblical hope and you're understanding all that that entails at your core, in your being, there should be a joyful, excited response to life. Okay? And if there's not, this is where sanctification comes in. You need to camp there and figure out what's going on. Find somebody, brothers, sisters, and say, you know what? I don't know what it is. I hear all of this. There's an inheritance that's waiting for me right now. Da, 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 but I just can't seem to get over the circumstances right now. I just can't seem to get over my feelings right now. You know what? That's why we're the church. This is what the church is for, is one anothering through these times. When we just, I hear it, I go there, I, I even agree with it. But for some reason, there's a disconnect right now. And sometimes God will use one person in your life who will say, you know what? I was there. There's nothing wrong with you. I was there too. And you're like, really? You too? I thought you had it all together. Oh, oh no. You know? This is where the one anothering comes in. If, you, if you're sensing that maybe you've lost your biblical hope in the sense of, you know, your joy and your peace and your confidence, maybe it's time to reach out to someone and ask for prayer, get together for coffee, and just share. 
This is what's going on. This is what's going on. Because here's the thing. We're all going through something. Jesus says, well, in this world you will have trials and tribulations, but be a good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's a hope, that's a hope statement. Okay? But what happens is sometimes, even though we're in the church, we still live very isolated lives. We still live sort of in fear of what the other church people are going to think about me if I share my struggles with them. When the truth is, everyone in the church is struggling with something. Amen? All right, we'll, we'll make you all feel better. Who in this room or at home is struggling with something? Oh, wait, let's do it this way. Put your hands up again. If, if you, okay, now just look around. Go ahead, you're allowed to look around. Thank you. You feel better? Right? Because it's like, oh, dude, and, we live, and we're dealing with all this stuff, and I can't share anyone, and I don't have hope anymore, and my joy is gone, but I still can't call. But we show up on Sunday. We become experts, man. It's like, right? We, we got to get to the place, and I know it takes time, and, and, uh, and it took me quite a while, even with men's groups and all that. We have to come to a place where we ask the Lord first and foremost, and then we're open to God bringing people into our lives who will speak truth in love, who will pray for us, who will listen to us, who will say the things that maybe are uncomfortable and need to be said for our own good. That happened to me this week. Dear brother, love him to death. Shared them some things with me in love, and it was the best thing that happened to me. Set me free. Because I was in a funk and I didn't know I was in a funk. And brother said something because he's looking to the outside. And we have this expression amongst ourselves. You say, hey, man, you got some check engine lights showing. I, I, that, that's my thing. That's how I talk to guys. I say, hey, man, you know, I think you. How many of you have ever had a check engine something on your dash and you ignored it? Come on, right? All right. I remember Scott would tell me, right, he used to great smog stories, and right, Scott, remember those? He would tell me people would come to Scott's smog station, and, you know, the lights lit, and they would, like, try to cover it up with, like, tape and stuff like that. <laughs> like, like, Scott's not going to know there's black duct tape over the check engine light. Come on, man. But how many of us do that with God? Oh, no, God, I'm fine. Don't mind all that black <laughs> for my heart. That's just a little duct tape I'm just covering up, trying to hide my check engine from you, you know? So we need that, and sometimes God does that, and, and it, it, it can be tough, but it's born out of true love and relationship in the church. And again, I, just being honest with you, just being transparent, I had a dear brother um, who just said, hey, hey, man, I think you got some check engine lights. And I'm pretty sure he was nervous to say that to the lead pastor at the well. But that doesn't matter because I'm just a guy who at times have check engine lights that somebody else needs to tell me about because we can get all we can all get blinders on right so I'm very thankful I praise God for that moment and and it freed me and it kind of like set me on this course of getting back confidence and joy that I I was struggling to get and I didn't even know why okay so if biblical hope is living biblical hope is a person now this is this one, again, it sounds real simple, but you've got to think about your view of hope. 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our... Mm. Hope is a person. And in fact, we just saw in 1 Peter, hope is a living person. So right again, some of you, it's going to be the challenge is to let go of defining hope in terms of your feelings or your circumstances. Hope is a person. Fundamentally, it's a living person. Okay? Hope is rooted in Scripture, Romans 15.4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Okay? Fundamentally, scriptures are they're designed to bring us hope. Why? Because it speaks of God's character, God's promises, examples of other saints working through things. Okay? For instance, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. How many of you just like, how many just like that verse right there for whatever you're going through, right? What are you experiencing? Hope? Confident expectation, God is. That's present tense. So it's living hope, so it says God is our refuge and strength. That's not some weird principle that's generic. God is. So somebody right here, and I believe at home, you needed that word is for your life right now. God is your refuge and strength right now in your time of trouble as you sit here. God is, present tense. And if you're starting to go, wow, wow, what are you experiencing? Hope. Your hope is being rekindled. He's fanning the ember. Some of you, your hope might come down to embers right now. And through this today and through March, maybe it's going to be fanned. And then come Easter, you're going to be like, oh! Because <laughs> like, for some of you, by the time we get to Easter, you're going to be like jumping off the walls around here. Because God's going to bring back and he's going to fan your hope into a roaring inferno. The hope that you had maybe years ago as a young believer and then you got all studious and you wanted to know everything. Da, da, da. And however that happens, sometimes hope and life and all that just get all mixed, mixed, mixed up. And we need to come back to the basics. So we're going to just come back to the basics. So it's in scripture. Look at this. Biblical joy impacts our joy, faith, and love. Look at this verse. Romans 12, 12. We'll look at it in two different versions. Be what? Joyful in Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In the New Living, it says this. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. That could be a memory verse for many. Right there. Rejoice in your confident hope. You can just, okay, are you confident? Are you confident? Right? And then finally, biblical hope is part of our testimony and witness to the world, 1 Peter 3. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear, and if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember we talked about uh, shining as lights? You know how you can shine as a light like right now? Hope. Because look, look at what it says there. Put it back up. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, put that verse back up, right? If someone asks you about your Christian what? Hope. Which means 
the way you are carrying yourself has caused something in them to go, hmm, what's up with Melanie? I've been watching you. And all the stuff going on, and I know that you just seem to have this, this confident joy in your life right now. But I know what's going on. How do you do that? See, if we will live with biblical hope, the world will be drawn to Jesus. Because at least in this secular survey, we know heading into this year, a quarter of the population said nothing makes them hopeful. So if a quarter of the population of this country back in January said nothing makes them hopeful, what kind of a difference do you think we're going to make as salt and light if we just show up (laughs) with hope? That's what they're looking for. That's what the world is crying out for, hope. Now, they pin it on wishful thinking and crossing your fingers and feelings and circumstance, and when they ask us, we go, Jesus, because it's living, it's in Scripture, we have a living hope. It's just a great entryway. If you ever thought of, like, what's it like to be a missionary? I wonder what it would be like to go to a missionary in another country and get the chance to Share the gospel with the people who really need Jesus. We're living that right now in this country. This is the mission field. And I remember years ago, this will kind of rock your world. Years ago, I was watching uh, this documentary on the church in South Korea and how on fire the church of South Korea is. Guess what they do in South Korea? They pray and they train up missionaries in South Korea. Guess where they're sending their missionaries? Here. Want a little rocker world moment? <laughs> South Korea churches pray for this country and raise up missionaries to come share the gospel to the United States of America. But we live here and we, <laughs> we, we don't even see it. And that's what I love about this verse, especially in 1 Peter 3. It's our hope. Wherever you are, especially in light of where we are as a country, where who knows where we're going to be a week from now. I mean, how many of you this past seven days, a lot happened in seven days? Well, I know in seven days, I paid a lot more for gas in seven days. (laughs) Right? I drive by that Shell station in Oakview, and that's my thing now. Right? I was amazing this week. I'm like, Wow. I thought I'd see a five in front of that so fast, right? But if we're doing it, the world's doing it. And this is where biblical hope sets us apart, as lights in the darkness. As lights in the darkness. We're not afraid of it. We understand it. We may not even like it. Yeah, it's getting our pocketbooks as much as the next person, but it's all in how we respond in faith. Amen? It's the response that speaks. It's the response that opens the door to conversation. Okay, if you just understand that, that according to the survey, 26% of Americans report that nothing makes them hopeful. What a great mission field. Okay, just by being you in Christ and letting God maybe through this series fan the hope ember. Bring, just bring it back. And if... If you've kind of been in a funk, uh, we're going to switch it up. We're actually going to 
sing a couple songs that are living hope-based. I wanted to give you and you at home a chance to just kind of come back and just ask God to show you where you are on the hope scale. Because it's been tough. It is tough to find any good news anymore. And we're not immune to it. We're in the middle of it. And sometimes, sometimes what we need to do is just call time out. And that's what I love about church. <laughs> we get to come back, be reminded that Father is still on the throne, get to remind about who we are in Christ, get to reminded that there's an inheritance waiting for us. <laughs> right? We come, and I think in these next few weeks, we're going to come on Sundays, and we're going to have our hope reinvigorated. We're going to celebrate our hope. And then my prayer is that as we do that here, then we go out. And we spread the good news of Jesus Christ by simply being messengers and ambassadors of hope. Okay? Okay? I love this quote. It says, faith and hope are complementary. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Hope is looking to the reality of the future. Without faith, there is no hope. And without hope, there is no true faith. Christians are people of faith and hope. We have the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Faith and hope, they go together. And so we're going we're gonna to have a time of worship and prayer here. Uh, ben, you guys can come on up. But I want to give you a chance, just before we sing a song, to take a few deep breaths and say, Lord... How's my hope, you know, quotient? Have I kind of slid into this sort of spiritual funk? And, and Lord, I woke up this morning, and, and by golly, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I entered the day with confident, joyful expectation. I don't know if I woke up and I actually have this constant pit in my stomach about what's going to happen next and what, what shoe is going to drop next and who's going to be mad at me next and where am I going to blow it next. And, you know, Lord, I just kind of lived this defeated victim waiting for something bad to happen life. And, Lord, I'm tired. I'm just exhausted right now. I'm spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally exhausted because all I do is I just feel like I fight. Everything, all the time. And my prayer for you, my prayer for us as the church, is we come back and we understand that because we have a living hope, we have victory. Because we have a living hope, we enter the, every day with confidence, with strength, and with joy. That's the power of biblical hope. And if, if you kind of have like, oh my gosh, how did I stray? How did I drift? That's okay. That's why we're here today. That's why we're here. So I want to give you a chance. Just, we're just going to sit quietly. I just want you to talk to Father about this area of hope in your life. Joyful, confident, eager expectation that should elicit some sort of joyful response. Where are you today? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for... Your word. Thank you for this time this morning that we can actually pause 
in the reality of biblical hope. It's not spiritual finger crossing. It's not spiritual wishful thinking. It is certainty in Christ. It is confidence in Christ. It's the truth of your word. It's your unchanging nature. Father, we are children of God through faith in Jesus. Our names are written in the book of life. We have an inheritance waiting for us. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Father, there is nothing too difficult for you. And yet we are surrounded by pain, trials, tribulations, death, sickness, financial issues, so much trial and tribulation. And yet, Jesus, you said, hey, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What an incredible hope promise. So, Father, we come before you, open books. We confess if we got caught up in it. We confess if we've let our hope wane. Maybe it's just an ember, one tiny ember, and we're clinging to it. But, Father, we recognize it now. It's a choice. Hope is a choice. And, Father, as your church, we choose Jesus. We choose our living hope, Jesus Christ. He was crucified, died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Our living hope. And maybe you're here or you're listening and you understand now that hope begins with Jesus. and You've never put your faith in Jesus. I encourage you, even during this time of prayer, put your hope, your faith in Jesus as your Savior. So, Father, we sit, we just sit before you and ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to speak hope and joy and confidence and peace back into our lives because of who we are in Christ. We are still in need of people in Kingdom Kids. And if you guys don't know what Kingdom Kids, it goes all the way from when you're a baby all the way up to fifth grade. And we're needing volunteers in there. And just pray about it and see if God puts it on your heart to serve in Kingdom Kids. Because it is a great joy. Because like Pastor Richie was mentioning last week, it's like you guys all remember your Sunday school teachers. And how impactful they were to you at an early age. And plus, it means a great joy. You don't have to be a great speaker. You don't have to be a great teacher or a singer or anything. You just need to go in there and love on those kids. And if you have any questions about that, you can contact myself and the person who I have to supervise, my wife, Kim, which is, but she does a wonderful job. She really deeply loves those kids and just wants to show them the love of Jesus. So if you have any questions about that, contact myself or my wife, Kim. And then the next announcement, oh, it's just, it's, I've been praying about this new ministry and it's called the Helps Ministry. And you ask, what is the Helps Ministry? Um, it's, you know, Jesus came to this earth not to be served, but to be to serve other people. Because it tells us that in Matthew. So when I was, that was, happened to be my daily devotional for this morning. I'm like, oh, wow, I want to share that when it comes to the help um, ministry. And the helps ministry is anybody out here in the congregation that would be willing to serve. This is not to get help. This is to serve. You have a hidden talent of some type that you would like, like I know our brother Bill here, he loves replacing rotten posts and different things like that. But anywhere from like weeds, 
um, at your house, if you have a, um, a talent to pull weeds, you know, there's always that need, or transportation, giving people rides to church. You guys, or just, I had one person say, I'm really good at organizing. So if you're interested in just being on that helps ministry list, just email me, my email will be up here, or just contact me after, and just tell me what gifts that God has given you that you might be able to bless somebody else with those. And, I, and it was funny, because I, when I was reading my devotional in Galatians, when Paul wrote, he says, use your freedom, which is your freedom in Christ, to serve one another in love. So that's what it is. It's serving one another in love. So if you have any hidden talents, get a hold of me, let me know. We're going to start a database. So when someone from the church calls and say, hey, I need help, with organizing, I can say, oh, okay, I know somebody to hook them up with. So if, you, if that is something that God puts on your heart, pray about it and get a hold of me. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan Stuffelbeam. It's a weird German last name. Everyone seems to ask about it. Uh, but uh, I'm the youth director here at the well. Uh, I've been the youth director here since uh, September of last year. And uh, you know, usually when I'm up here and I share youth stuff, uh, I usually mention the coaches or the volunteers that we have that come out on Wednesdays or come to our events. And I know some of you know all of them, but I thought, you know, it'd be nice to put, uh, you know, some names to faces. So we have a picture of all of us here. Actually, we took that last Wednesday uh, for our, our, our event we were watching in Kanto. Uh, so we got Isaac there on the left um, and Eileen and Shiloh there on the bottom, and Travis and Emily up there, and of course me cheesing up right there. Uh, so, you know, these are the, the volunteers that you know come out, uh, you know, every Wednesday to to love on the students, um, you know, and, and be a part of their lives and what God's doing here, uh, you know, with the youth ministry. Um, and so, you know, and, you know, as I kind of started doing youth ministry, I tried to make it intentional to meet with the coaches, you know, at least once a month, uh, you know, to talk about youth stuff you know, what's going on, you know, at the well, and then just, you know, to hang out and spend time together. And so kind of it was on my heart to, uh, you know, for us to kind of come up with a, a fun and intentional name for the youth group, because right now it's student ministries. Um, and so we spent a lot of time and actually, uh, I think at our leads meeting, I mentioned we came up with like 40 different ones, but I decided to count and we came up with like 89 and we were just having fun, coming up with names. So we, so we landed on one that we all really liked. And, you know, we really wanted it to be intentional. And so the name of our youth ministry now is Crossroads, um, which I think we have a, a really cool slide for that. Thank you, Shiloh, uh, for making that. Uh, and so, you know, as much as I would love to come up with a fun name, my fun name was The Keep, like in a castle. You know, it's like the strong part. But I'm like, man... I have to remember, you know, it's not just fun. We really want it to be intentional. What I love about Crossroads is just, you know, it's connection to the gospel. Now, for those of us that are following Jesus, you know, we all came to a, a, a point in our life where we had to make a choice uh, to, to follow him. And similarly, I think about that with just youth ministry. You know, students are coming, and a lot of them maybe don't know Jesus, and it's an opportunity uh, to, to meet him, understand, like, who he is, and to know him personally, and then to follow him. Now, on the other end, you know, there's students that, you know, are doing that already. And so, again, it's still, you know, every day students are coming to a spot where we have to choose, you know, to follow Jesus um, and really submit our lives to him. Um, and so that's really kind of our heart with, you know, the youth, youth ministry and just loving on the students uh, and really pointing them to Jesus. So, so with that, um, you know, we're now meeting on Wednesdays. Crossroads is meeting Wednesdays, you know, I mean, not now. Crossroads, you know, we're, we're meeting Wednesday, 6.30 to 8. 
which, you know, again, it's connected to youth group, uh, but we're going to be calling it Crossroads now. And so, again, um, that's kind of kind of what we're going to have for the name with that. And then our first kind of event that we're going to be doing with Crossroads is Defy, uh, which don't get, um, don't get too excited. It's, it's a, like, fun house, like, trampoline, foam pit. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what those are. You can, like, jump into them, and you can fall into it and not get hurt, uh, uh, unless you're Isaac and you find a way to hurt yourself there. Uh, but we're going to be doing that. I mean, I, a, yeah, April 2nd, it's going to be kind of a half-day event. Um, I would love for you to contact me because you have to have a waiver, and I've sent out uh, an email to the parents. Uh, but if you're not on that email list, uh, please contact me. My information, I think, is on there. Uh, because you're going to have to send the waiver to me so we can kind of get all that going there uh, for the event. Um, and I'll be kind of letting, you know, I'll be speaking more about this in the coming weeks. Um, and I believe the cutoff is, uh, I think, the 23rd for the, the money. It's about $20 to cover everything to go. Um, so I'll have that event to look forward to uh, next month. And then lastly, you know, Tyler mentioned the uh, help. And I know there's a lot of you out here, and, you know, as a church, you know, God wants us to work together. And so I would ask, similarly, if you have a heart for, you know, youth ministry, or maybe you're like, hey, you know, I don't have any students, I'm not volunteering, but hey, I would love to, to drive for an event. Uh, I have this little sheet. I'm going to have it out back. Uh, if you'd like to sign up at all, like you can fill your, your name in, email, phone number, and we have some areas if you'd like to serve at all. Uh, and maybe it's just, you know, you can talk to me about it. You don't have to commit to it right now, but we'll have this sheet if you guys ever want to, to volunteer. Uh, I know I've had some people that are like, you know, I'd love to sponsor someone that goes to an event that maybe it costs too much, you know, so there's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, so you can check this out. You can, of course, talk to me uh, about that um, and finding ways to serve. And now I think Kathy has an announcement. Good morning. Um, I would like to tell you about two events coming up through women's ministry, two times for women to get together soon. Um, one is we're calling it Coffee and Combos. That's kind of short for a conversation. Um, and that's coming up on March 25th. It's a Friday, 10 a.m. We're going to be probably out on the patio if the weather's great. Uh, everyone's welcome. Kids are welcome to come to it. So it's just an informal gathering. We'll have coffee, we'll have snacks, um, and we'll just kind of hang out together. Um, and we have these uh, little invitations. So you could grab one. They're on the cart outside. Uh, grab one just as a reminder for yourself or grab a couple and give them to other friends that you know that you'd like to invite to that as well. But it's also on our website, so keep that in mind, March 25th. Also, just to give you time to prepare for the next book club, it will be March 30th uh, here at the well as well. The next book that we're going to be doing is called Seven Women by Eric Metasix. I'm saying it right. He wrote a couple other uh, biographies, one on Bonhoeffer, one on Luther, Martin Luther, um, uh, and um, Wilbur... Wilberforce, William Wilberforce. So um, there, he's a good writer. Um, and these are on seven women, women who have uh, impacted history by their faith. 
um, and how they've lived their lives. Like uh, a couple of them we're probably familiar with, uh, Corey Ten Boom, Rosa Parks. Um, one of them is Susanna Wesley, uh, who had an impact on a couple of her sons. Uh, so um, anyway, those are also on the website, the book, the title. Um, it's all there, and we'd love to have you join us. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> Kathy Bodycombe, and I'm Mark Bodycombe, and that's a weird Welsh name, uh, <laughs> unlike a uh, weird German name, so uh, I kind of like that. Uh, so uh, I just want to remind everybody about Mexico. Um, Dennis is going to Mexico. I'm going to Mexico. There's a bunch of people in this room that are going to Mexico. Praise God. We're going on May 8th to the 14th. Um, we're going down with an organization called Youth with a Mission, YWAM. If you're not familiar with them, I'd love to tell you a lot more about them. Um, we certainly still have room. We've got probably 12 to 14 people who have registered and are ready to go. Uh, we've got room for a few more if the Lord puts it on your heart and you're interested in actually signing up uh, to go on the trip, either for half of the trip and build one home beginning or second part of the week or come down for the whole week and we'll be building two homes. Uh, we'd love to have you and I'm happy to give you any information about that. Um, we're really at a point though in the upcoming months where we need to honestly just raise money. You know, kind of my, kind of the way I kind of go about this is just kind of put the need out there, you know, and trust the Lord to meet that need. So we build two homes. These are modest homes, but um, they're life-changing homes for two different Mexican families. And you're going to see some pictures about kind of what it looks like to be doing that work and what even the finished homes look like. Each of the homes from the standpoint of the house itself, and we buy uh, kind of any kind of extra packages we can for furniture inside it and some kitchen elements and a water tower and all these types of things. So each home costs about $13,000. So we have a need that's in the range of about $26,000 to accomplish building these two homes. Um, every single time we've ever gone, the Lord has bountifully provided um, and again, this is just an opportunity for you to join in if you can't go on the trip or even if you are going on the trip. You can pray for our trip. You can come on the trip. You can support the trip. And so uh, in the upcoming weeks, we'll be talking about that. You can just make a donation to the well uh, in whatever, you know, the different ways that you can give here. Always just make sure it's designated Mexico or Mexico mission trip, that kind of a thing. And then all of that money will go directly towards the uh, expenses of the home for those two families.